Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Matt Curtis with Matt Curtis Real Estate in Madison, Alabama. Last year, he closed 218 transactions with a total sales volume of $44 million. His average sales price was $204,000, of which 63% were buyers and 37% were sellers. He has a 16-member team, seven buyer agents, one listing partner, one college graduate buyer agent, one new home sales agent, one closing coordinator, one closing assistant, one runner, one marketing manager recruiter, and one team leader. Matt Curtis is the team leader of the Matt Curtis Real Estate Team. He's been an agent for 10 years. He sold almost 950 homes in his career. In this call, Matt talks about how he sold two homes his first week and 35 homes his first six months, the promotion he used to sell 11 homes in two hours, his internet lead generation and conversion process that resulted in 100 closings last year, his cost per lead and cost per sale numbers for Zillow, Commissions Inc., and Tiger Leads. His lead distribution system, including the perfect number of leads per agent. How to get a hold of 90% of your internet leads within 48 hours. How he got a 6 to 1 ROI on his internet leads and shares the cost with his lender. The CRM he likes best for tracking and converting his leads. How to use your internet leads to sign up more listings. Using mass text messages and his most effective text script. How to keep your agents on track with weekly reviews and coaching. Why he has over 200 online reviews and how he got them. Keys to working with new home builders. The simple past client marketing plan that resulted in 11% of his list repeating or referring team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Matt. Thanks for having me today, Mike. Hey, Matt, it's great to have you. Matt, before we start talking about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Sure. So my degree is actually in computer engineering. So I was a sales engineer, got transferred to Huntsville, Alabama, and um, I did that for about three years. I got interested in investing in real estate. So I actually, I couldn't find a, a real estate agent that I felt comfortable with. A typical engineer, I just went out and got my own license. And before I knew it, about a year later, I actually had an offer to go work for a builder, which was one of the best builders in, in the area at the time. And I couldn't pass it up. So you left corporate America and went and worked for a builder. How did you do that? How did you leave the nice cushiness of corporate America and go over there and, and work in the riskiness of pure commission sales? 
Well, it was definitely a risk, and it was definitely, I guess, God-inspired, but, you know, it's, it's really probably the worst timing. We were building a house at the time. My wife was pregnant with our second child, and I had just made the largest sale in our company's history. And so leaving that job, I actually had to forego that commission check to go into to new home sales. And it was funny, my wife said, gave me an opportunity to interview with a guy, and we said, okay, if, it, if I'm working weekends, I'm working nights, if I don't have insurance, you know, all these things, if, if that doesn't check out, then I'm not going to pursue it. And so I had an interview and went back to my wife. I was like, oh, that was the best interview I ever had. And she's like, oh, okay, well, great. Are you going to be working nights? Are you going to be working weekends? Do you have insurance? Oh, no, no, I, I don't have any of that, but it's going to be great. So that's, that's kind of the way that she tells the story. But it, it worked out really well. First week with the builder, I saw two houses valued at about $750,000 and didn't turn back from there. Wow, that's a pretty fast start. So the first week you sold two homes. What do you attribute that to? I attribute that to really just belief and determination. I was leaving a corporate job where I was going to make about $100,000 that year. And if I was going to go into real estate, then I had to make more than that. So, you know, fortunately for me, I'd recently built a home with the builder as well. So I knew the product, I could go in and sell it and just hit the ground running. It was actually, you know, that year I worked about half of the year, six months, and I was almost the salesman of the year working six months versus, you know, everybody else that worked for the entire year. Um, I only came a couple sales short, and then the next three years I was their top salesperson. Do you recall how many homes you sold in that first six months? Uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's somewhere around 35. Then that following year where you had a full year to work, do you recall how many you sold? It was around 50 to 55. Do you think that that was because you started off with a new home builder? Do you think that it was different than starting out there as an independent broker on your own? Yeah, I think that, you know, that's, that's huge. I always tell people that are getting into the business, you know, the toughest thing is having leads. And so I recommend everyone to either A, join a team like we have or go to work for a builder because then you can just work on honing your sales skills. You have people to talk to and you can you know, make sales from day one. I'm sure a lot of people have not worked as a salesperson for a new home builder. Would you mind telling us how they compensate? Is it the same as when you're out there as an independent agent? It's not. It's, it's less and it all, it's, it's market driven. So it varies. Unfortunately, when I got started in the business, it was the, the market was good, and so the actual commission splits were a lot less than they are today. So I, I joke with the builder now. I, you know, I, was, I wish I got started now because I would be making a lot more money selling the volume of <laughs> homes that I did. So it is, it is typically less. I mean, give you an idea. We work with the builder right now, and the general market is two percent on new homes. Um, what? if they have an agent or if they don't have an agent. So it's a flat 2%. When I did it, it was a whole lot less than that. Oh, was it under a percent? When I did it, it ended up being typically somewhere between a half percent to a little bit over 1%. But because all those leads are coming in, you're getting that flow, you're getting a lot more volume, getting a lot faster experience, and it's all adding up. Exactly. And, And for me... I did something that a lot of new home agents did not do is, you know, I double dipped on the transaction. They had homes to sell, so I would also list their homes 
which helped free me up on contingencies and, and getting you know, my new home sold as well. Wow. And you were doing that as a new agent for the home builder? I was. Uh-huh. How long did it take you to get back up to speed income-wise where you were matching what you were making in the corporate world? Year one. Year one. Was that the very first full year then, that, that very first next full year where you sold 50 to 55? Yeah, I, I never really missed a beat. The challenge with new home sales is you know, whatever you sell is typically five to six months out from receiving a paycheck. Fortunately, those first few months, I had some spec sales and even some personal referrals that I was able to sell to keep the, the income even for the first few months. But after that, my income only went up. And so it sounds like the builder you were working for allowed you to sell homes independently on the side, and that's how you were supplementing things as you were building up. That and, and selling spec homes, yes. Matt, how long have you been in the business now? Right at 10 years. And how many homes did you sell last year? So last year, we closed 218 homes. We sold 245 so we're, we're growing, so we end up selling more than we closed in the previous year, and we'll close more this year. One of that was because we are also just took on a builder, and we launched a new community for them in December, in which we sold 11 houses in two hours. Wow. 11 houses in two hours. How did you do that? Basically, what we did is we created a lot of interest in the community, Facebook advertising, signage, some, you know, database type marketing. And so we created a list and we didn't have price, obviously early on, we didn't have pricing and information available yet. And so we created a priority position. So anyone that was interested in receiving information on the community and potentially having an opportunity to purchase at this launch event, they pay $500. It's fully refundable if they decide not to buy. So we developed that, our priority position list up until the sales event, and then as we got information a couple weeks prior to the sales event, that's when we would sit everybody down, give them a tour of the community of home sites, get them pricing, get them all the questions answered, everything that they needed to make a purchase decision. And then, you know, I guess the, the question that I always ask my sales agents is, why do people buy? And, you know, the answer is because other people are buying. So anytime you can get... 11 people in a room that's interested in buying in a community, then that only helps you sell more homes. And so we had a one-day event where we had, you know, two hours. We, we fed them. We had them all in the room. And based on the priority position, they'd come back one at a time, choose their home site, and sign their paperwork. What was the ramp-up time prior to this one-day event? How much prep time did you have into it? You were doing some marketing, preliminary marketing, building this list. How much time, how far out before the one-day event? Well, fortunately for me, I had done it before with, with new home sales, and so I knew how to, to execute the event. I actually, those were the first homes that I would personally sold in about two years or maybe even three years because my team, I actually, I, I run the team, I run the company. I don't actually meet with buyers and sellers typically. So I was having to do that on the side. And so I, I really didn't spend all that much time going up to it. It was just handling inquiries as they came in, meeting with them to, or having them mail in the checks for the priority positions. The, the week before was really kind of the, the meat of the work. I probably spent 
you know, 25, 30 hours that week meeting with everybody. And then I had the builder and another team member give them tours that weekend. So all total, I probably invested about 40 to 50 hours into it. So about 40 to 50 hours. And if somebody was going to try to do this, they're working with a builder, how far out should they start the process? Are you a month before the event? Are you two weeks? Are you 90 days? How far out before the event actually occurs are you you starting the process? I would start the process whenever you break ground on that community. Because anytime you start moving dirt, that's when you're going to start getting interest. I'd have the builder put their sign up and redirect people to a a trackable phone number. So I would do that. And then also I'd start running ads as soon as they start groundbreaking and then increase the frequency of those ads within about two months of the actual launch. Okay, so about two months out, you're really starting to pick up the intensity so that you can have a real big one-day sale, two-hour sale, where you're bringing all the most interested people together. Uh, that's fantastic. And we're going to talk more about new home construction, new builders uh, in a few minutes, but I, I just want to get that idea out there. That sounds pretty cool. Let's do this. Let's finish that original idea. You said that last year you sold 218 homes closed. Do you remember the sales volume on that? Uh, it's around $44 million. Do you recall how many homes you've sold in your career? We're approaching the 1,000 mark. Uh, we're about 950. So we should reach 1,000 by March. Let's do this. Let's back up for a minute and let everybody know, where is Madison, Alabama? Madison, Alabama is a suburb of Huntsville, Alabama, which is on the, the tip of Alabama, right south of Tennessee. Interesting fact is actually there's some predictions that Huntsville, Alabama will be the largest city in the state of Alabama in the next six years. Do you know what your current population is there? It's about 180,000. Please describe your current real estate market. Our average sales price is in the low 200s. Average sales price, you're looking around 175. Our market doesn't typically swing up or down like the rest of the country does. We will typically lag the rest of the country at least six to nine months. In general, we haven't seen any major price appreciation since the, the market bottomed out. We did see... Uh, about 15% increase in in absorption in sales last year. As our, our inventory continues to decline, we're anticipating price appreciation this year. Matt, do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? Our specialization in the past when it was me or as we've had a smaller team has been Madison and new construction. New construction is how I got started. Madison was where I lived. When it was just me, it was a lot easier for me to sell you know, three homes in Madison versus driving all over town. But as we grow our team, you know, we're all over the place now. We're Madison and Huntsville, and we're going to the adjacent cities and the Athens and the Cater. Is Madison a suburb of Huntsville? It is. You do a lot of work in internet leads and internet sales. What percentage of your business were internet leads closings last year? Last year was right at 40%. We ended up selling exactly 100 internet leads. How are you doing that? How are you generating those internet leads? Well, we have a database now of over 22,000 internet leads. 
And so originally, when I first formed my company, the, the driving force was pay-per-click with a system called Tiger Leads, which has, has been a very successful system for us. Since then, we've expanded into other similar type products. We use Commission Zinc right now, which, which we love. And then we also do some Zillow advertising as well. Does it, is that the ranking of which one is doing the best for you? Tiger Leads, Commission Inc., and then Zillow? Um, no, actually, the reverse order. So last year, Zillow, we had 30 sales, Commission Inc., 28, and then Tiger Lead, 22. You said you have about 22,000 leads. Do you know what your average cost per lead has been? Yes, I have that information. For 2015, Zillow.com, our cost per lead was $32. For Commission Zinc, it was $6. And then Tire Leads was $9 per lead. Do you happen to know the cost per sale? I do. Um, they're all going to be ranging between about five to almost $700 per sale. So Zillow was $671 per sale. Commission Zinc was $675. Tiger Lead was a little bit lower at $525 just because we're transitioning off of that system when we cut down on our, our ad spend. Do you know how many or approximately how many leads you're bringing in each month? I do. We actually had to turn it down. Last year we were doing Tiger Leads, Commission Zinc. We even experiment with Boomtown. I had a few sales out of there. At the peak, we were getting between about 800 to 1,000 leads per month. It was more than our team could really handle. Right now, we're back to, so are you asking just internet leads? Just the internet leads, yeah. Yeah, so just internet leads in general, we're getting somewhere on the order of three to 325 on Commission Zinc and around 50 more on Zillow, and then we'll get another... 50 or so organically on our, our main Matt Curtis real estate site. So around four, four, four and a quarter. Do you have a goal for how many leads you provide each buyer agent? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. That's really what we've been working on the last few months is trying to perfect the science of that. What we found is assigning leads to agents and letting their database get too large is actually counterproductive for them. And so what we've recently gone to is more of a lead pool system where every agent can have up to 50 hot leads assigned directly to them. Everyone else is in a general lead pool. So of our 22,000 leads, we may have 21,000 of them that are in the general lead pool. And so our agents get to focus you know, very intimately on their, their top 50, and then they sign up for call shifts on the other leads. So you might sign up for a last login. We might have 250 people that logged into the website today. So they're calling those leads today. We might have somebody calling all the new leads at 12 o'clock. And so we have systems in place. And so that when they're able to, to gain traction with those leads, assign them over to, to themselves. You said that you have X number of people who are logging into the website each day. How are you tracking that? It's one of the great things about Commission Zinc is they have all of that 
you know, sorting capability on the back end. Tiger Leaves was really good at that as well. So very easy to pull up. You can pull up all of your leads that have logged in last last today or last six months, however you want to sort it. They rank the leads based on how many times they've looked at homes. You can actually view every property that they've looked at. So there's really some sophisticated mechanisms in place where you can figure out who to call and when to call. And the great thing about that system, too, is they actually have a dialer built into the, the system. And so for my agents to call 75 leads, if it were just you and me manually dialing and also going through the notes and trying to figure out who to call, it may take us all day to call 75 leads. They can call 75 leads within an hour. So the system's helping them find out if people answer or not. If there's a voice message, does the system allow them to drop a message onto that voicemail so they don't have to do it and they can move on to the next call? It does. It has that capability. We're not big on voicemail, but it does have that capability. It also has the capability to send mass text messages, which is actually the most productive thing that you can do. When you do a mass text message, what kind of message are you sending out? Believe it or not, the one that's worked the best is, I don't have it exactly in front of me, but something to the extent of, um, I have openings on Saturday. Would you like to go take a look at any homes? I have Saturday 9, 2, and 4. And then instead of putting you in there, Y-O-U, we put you to make you know, to make it look more authentic as it's the typical text message. And we get more, a higher response rate from that than, than we get from actually calling people. Because it makes sense. I mean, if you're in a meeting, you're not able to take a phone call, but, you know, a lot of people will still text even when they're in meetings or are out and about. When the text message comes back in from the prospect, how does it get redirected to the proper agent? Is it going to the agent's phone number or is it going back into the system? Yeah, great question. So it, with Commissions, Inc., the way that they do it is it'll go two places. It'll go to the agent's phone and then it'll also go to a designated area within Commissions, Inc. where you can actually just go in and respond there. So if, if I send 800 text messages, I will literally be busy all day replying to those text messages. And so it's a lot easier to go into that section and just type it versus trying to do it on your phone. But they do have a really great system on the phone as well. It'll all get linked on a single thread. And so if Mike responds back to me. It'll he'll give me a certain handler. So it might say four two three, and then your message. And if I want to respond back to you, I type in four two three, and then the message. And then it, the system actually routes all that, saves the note on the back end, and sends a text message to you. Backing up for a second on internet leads, could you give us a, a, a that big picture again? You said that you had 100 closings last year. What was the total amount that you invested last year in internet generation? So we invested over $100,000 last year in internet lead generation. And when I say we invested, we also, you know, some of these sites you can co-advertise with lenders, which helps reduce some of that expense. How much of the 100000 was co-opted with other vendors? It depends on the site. You know, typically with regulations, you can do a 50-50 split. You know, the one 
that we're not really able to do is, is Zillow. I just I know a lot of agents do do co-advertising on Zillow. What we've been told is the way that they do it just doesn't meet the guidelines, and so we have to pick up all that expense. You had a hundred thousand that went out. How much was covered by vendors? You know, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I mean, to give you an idea. Platform like Commission Inc. We invest about three thousand dollars a month in it, um, so that's thirty-six thousand dollars a year. Eighteen thousand of that would be our company. Eighteen thousand dollars would be the lender as well, because the lender has one hundred percent access to those leads, and they're branded on the site just like we are as well. You're truly sharing the advertising as well as the expenses of, of getting those leads in. And so I, I'm just going to guess what maybe you've got 30, 40,000 of the 100,000 is covered by vendors, or did you actually pay the entire 100,000 out? So, give you a quick, quick estimate. We invested somewhere around the order of this number is going to be a little bit high higher than normal. We invested about 75000 last year. And the reason it's a little bit higher is we were in the process of creating a new branded site. And so we had about $25,000 or so that we invested in that site last year. So yeah, about 75000 plus you had this 25000 for the site. So you had 100000 go out towards internet leads. You had 100 closings. How much GCI came back into you? On average, it's it's about two hundred thousand dollars average sales price. Average commission is about three percent. So, hundred closing, six thousand dollars. That's about six hundred thousand GCI. So you had about a hundred thousand go out, six hundred thousand cut back in. You've got five hundred thousand in gross margin, and then that money is split up between you and your agents. But still, not a bad uh, little ROI. So maybe six to one on your ROI. Yeah, very easily. It would have been even better had we not invested additional funds for the future. But that's going to come back to you down the line. It will. It will. So it sounds like your system is working. Not only are you generating leads, you're generating closings, you're generating revenues, and they're above your expenses. So it sounds like it's working uh, uh, quite nicely. Could you tell us how are you following up with these leads and converting them into appointments and then closings? How how are you following up and how are you converting them into appointments? Yeah, great question. So the name of the game with internet leads is, is speed and repetition. So I, a lot of people are familiar with the MIT study that's out there that talks about internet lead conversion and the importance of calling in the first five minutes versus 10 minutes or an hour. So a lot of that depends on the lead source. So if it's a Zillow lead, you need to call within five minutes. If it's a a typical internet lead, you can not call in five minutes if you call the right number of times. And really the, the important thing for us that we found is calling six times in the first 48 hours. You're 90%, basically, statistically speaking, you're 90% probability of reaching that, that prospect. And you know if they're either an A buyer or they're BC. But if they're BC, then you've been able to create your follow-up path to be able to follow up with them at the right time. How do you break out whether they're an A, B, or C? A buyer would be less than 30 days. B buyers, 
you know, 30 to 90, and then C is 90 plus. You said six times in the first 48 hours. Is that evenly distributed? Do you try to make two calls right away, right back to back? Are there any methods that you use? What's the frequency? What's your plan to get those six calls out? Yeah, great question. So we, we try to evenly space it out. So first call, obviously the first call is when the lead comes in. But after that, in general, it's you know one at 8 to 9 a.m., second one's around lunch, and then third's around the end of the day, around four to six window. Did you say that about 90% of the time you're actually getting a hold of someone using this method, the six calls in 48 hours? Yeah, there's actually statistics off of the MIT study. If you call six times, you have a 90% probability of reaching that lead. And are you seeing that in your practice? Is that actually happening? We are, yeah. When we're disciplined and making those six calls, then that's the results that we see. When you call back, what is the script? What's the conversation go like? Well, it depends. If it's a new lead versus a last login lead. New lead, it's all about service. You know, thanks, thank you, Mike, for registering on our, our home search website. I was just calling to check in as a courtesy to see what we can do to help. Very open-ended. Very open-ended. So now, if you've been using our site for two weeks, six months, a year, and you continue to log back on, then that's when we ask for an appointment. Mike, thank you for continuing to use our site. Just wanted to reach out to you as a courtesy to see if there are any homes that you wanted to view yet or if you had any questions. What percentage of the time do these phone calls turn into an appointment? A very low percentage. <laughs> internet, <laughs> lead, internet leads is a numbers game. I mean, that's all there is to it. You, you, 100 leads, you're looking to close three to five of those sales. And so really what I, I'm preaching to a lot of my new agents right now is a lot of that is seasonal as far as appointments goes. Money is in the follow-up. So it's January right now. Appointments are hard to come by. And so the money being made right now is finding out who the spring buyers are and setting your follow-up dates. Now, when we're calling leads in April and May, everybody wants to look at a house. But in general, you should be able to set an appointment for every 100 calls that you make. And are you seeing that in your practice? You set an appointment. Is it 100 calls or 100 contacts? 100 calls. So contact-wise, if you make 100 calls, you're statistically probably going to speak to, depending on your list, around 20, maybe 25 people. So after you speak to 20, 25 people, then you should be able to have made at least one appointment. And how long will it take your folks to make those 100 calls and find out one appointment? With the dialer system, it should take them less than two hours, about an hour and a half. Let me just uh, think about this. You've got 22,000 leads in the system. You had 100 closings last year. So if I'm doing my math right, you're basically getting one closing for every 220 leads in the system. Does that sound about right? It is, yeah. Yeah, that's about right. And how far back do those leads go? How long is it taking you to accumulate those? Yeah, good question. So we started with Tiger leads about six years ago. So our oldest leads are about six years old. So when we first started, our, we were getting you know about 100, 150 new leads per month. And it's really ramped up significantly over the last couple of years as we've 
brought on these systems. Let's get back into the the big picture. If you can give us that big picture of your follow-up program, you mentioned you want to make that phone call real quick, preferably within the first five minutes. If you don't get a hold of them, you're making six calls in the first 48 hours. What happens if you do or don't get a hold of them? What happens next? So what happens next is basically we have a, a lead pool call schedule, which our agents sign up for, you know, which days and sets of leads that they want to call, but it's calling last 24-hour logins, it's doing mass text messages, it's calling people that we haven't talked to in the last 30 days, so it's follow-up. So you said they sign up, do they sign up to sit in the office like the old floor time to make these calls? Do they need to do that in the office? Do they do it at their house? What kind of structure do you have? Yeah, I know some agents and teams actually require people to come into the office and accept new leads that way. That's really kind of been one of the benefits of our team is the technology allows them to do it anywhere. We have computers here. We have office space where they can come and make the calls, and some people do and some people don't. But it's something that they can do at their house. There's even an app where you know they can make the calls right off of their phone as well. It sounds to me like you're having your agents make all these calls and the follow-up calls. How do you make sure that they're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing? How are you tracking and managing the agents and making sure they're doing their follow-ups? That is, that's a million-dollar question. And, that's, <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, had we had that piece of the pie figured out earlier, we would have been having a call about us selling 300 internet leads and selling 500 <laughs> homes last year. But uh, we, we're kind of on to something now. Where we're, we're, we, we're headed in the right direction in terms of accountability and motivation. And, but really, a lot of what it comes down to is, number one, making it a, you know, having the technology, making it an easy system for them to use, and we, we've got that. Number two is we had a basically a a Google spreadsheet that we call Telepro created for us where all the agents manually enter in their numbers. So at the end of the day, they'll say, okay, I called for 60 minutes and I I called 50 people and got a hold of 10 and set two appointments. So all that data is tracked. And then I'll meet with the agents once a week and we'll, we'll go over those numbers, look at their goals, how they're doing, you know, versus their goals. And so, if they're not if they're telling me if they're not reaching their goals and they're not making the prospecting, then that's easy. Okay, we just need to prospect more. Or if they're not hitting their goals and they are doing the prospecting, then what do we need to tweak about our scripts or who we're calling? And so that gives me kind of the, the data to help support them in in reference to their goals and steer them on the right track. And for the tracking on the time that they're on the phone and the number of calls they're making, is that happening by an electronic system, a computer that's tracking it, or is the agent just filling in what you know their best estimate while they're going along? Yeah, great question. So the answer is yes. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the, the the CRM actually tracks that information as well. So they track it, and I have the individual track it as well because. There's just something about having a goal, sitting down and tracking your numbers as you're making the calls versus just mindlessly going through through the repetition. So to be able to see, hey, I've talked to six people, I've scheduled one appointment, 
is, is very beneficial, you know, psychologically for, for the agent. So the, the system's tracking it, and then also I have them manually, you know, track it and then put it in as well. It sounds to me like you've got tracking and accountability, and it sounds like you're also seeing some improvement. Anything else that you're doing? That's the key, tracking, accountability, and then hiring the right people. How do you make sure that you hire the right person? A lot of prayer. (laughs) (laughs) In all seriousness, obviously, that's part of the equation, but I don't know if you know who Dave Ramsey is, but I I had an opportunity to spend a day with his team and, and with him, and one of the things about his organization is I've never been to a company where there's been more people excited about what they do at work. And for them, it all comes down to the culture and then also the hiring process. I think they have 11 or 12 step hiring process. And so for us, it's been, you know, typically in real estate, you make sure they can fog up the mirror (laughs) before you offer them a job and you, you bring in everybody that you can. For us, we're trying to take a more methodical process, more interviews, we also do a DISC, which statistically speaking, you know, certain characteristics about individuals make them more successful in internet leads versus sign call leads. And so we try to do some of that homework up front as well to make sure they're going to be the right fit. What is the best DISC profile for someone who will do well with internet leads? What we're seeing is having some S and C. Is, is very good for internet leads. So typically your salespeople are your high eyes. You know, sometimes you have some D in them, but you want them to have enough I that they can carry on a conversation, but you need that balance with an S and C so that they, you know, see, they'll follow the system. They'll understand, you know, the mythology of, of what they're doing. So for us, not too high of eye, you know, a little uh, enough eye, and then some S and C are the ones that are performing the best. Just out of curiosity, I assume you've taken the test. What is your DISC personality profile? I'm not your typical salesperson. Our, our family thought, you know, back to the question when I joined the builder, our family literally thought we were going to starve when I went into new home sales. I have zero I almost. My, I'm a 99% D and a 99% C. So you're a DC. I'm a DC. Got that drive that pushed you to, to make things happen quickly, and you've got this C so you could analyze what the best approach would be. You got it. A lot of teams are starting to bring in ISAs, inside sales agents, to follow up the leads rather than having their agents follow up the leads. Do you have an inside sales agent? And if not, have you tried one? Yeah, great question. So currently we do not. We have tried ISAs, we've in-house, we've outsourced it, we just have not been successful at that. The challenges that we've seen is our average price point for what we could afford on the margin of having an ISA, we haven't been able to find the right talent to pay for them. So if we really want a good talent, get in, you know, somebody that's licensed, and um, it was good on the phone. It just becomes, it comes down to a math problem. The numbers just don't work out. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. 
where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. So you've gone back to the, the decentralized system. You have all the agents following up on their independent leads. That's, you know, that's another good point. You had some system where they actually have their top 50, and then they can also dig into a pool. How does that work? Are they able to say, I'm going to drop my bottom three and pull in three new ones? How does that work with the top 50 in the pool? Yep, that's exactly how it works. Uh, I've got an, another hot one. If they were at 49, then that makes their 50th, or if they need to drop a couple people to, to accommodate the new ones. 50 is a lot of leads. And, you know, they just kind of struggle with it at times, but anytime they get over 50, it, it, it's really hard for them to manage. And I always go back and, and look at it. If, you know, if you had 50 buyers this year, that's going to be a good year for a buyer's agent. How many closings on average are your buyer agents closing per year? That's a, a great question. So we have, we've had a couple agents that just knocked it out of the park. I had one agent who was a listing agent, also helped out on the new home sale side last year that sold 80. We had another agent that sold around 60 last year. And then we've got agents that are selling. Like one lady had not sold. She joined us. 2014, 2013, she didn't sell a single home. 2014, 2015, she sold uh, 60 homes during that two-year period, so about 30 a year. So our average agent, they're going to sell somewhere around 20 to 30 homes per year. And then the ones that come in that are are really polished and, and have been selling real estate for a long time and buy into the systems, they can easily sell 50, 60, 80 or more homes per year. I assume you've been doing this long enough that you've brought in agents. It wasn't a good fit. They're not making good sales. Something's wrong. They're not matching the system or something's just not working out. And they've had to go on down the line. They've left your your team. Do they end up leaving their team on their on their own because things aren't working out production-wise? Or have you had to have the conversation where you ask them to go? It's worked out both ways. That's that's always tough. When do you make that decision that things aren't working out? And when how do you know to just keep going and keep pushing them? That's that's a really great question. Um, you know, in, in the past, I don't feel like we've done as probably a as good a job as I want to do with, with mentoring and with the one-on-one accountability. And so some of, you know, honestly, some of the fires in the past have, have probably pointed back to, to me for not doing a good enough job leading them. But some, you know, some obvious cases that we've had to let go. We had a, a guy that literally did not log into the system for 22 days. <laughs> um, and, he was, and we had to sit down. He was complaining about the leads weren't any good. Well, I was like, well, okay, well, let's look at the system. You haven't logged in in 22 days. <laughs> what system out there is going to help you, <laughs> you know, under that situation? Unfortunately, we've we've let, you know, one or two people in that didn't share the same ethics. And it's just, you know, ethics that we shared as a company. So that's most important to me is is how 
doing the right thing for the client and how we're perceived in our local market. Above anything, any profit margin, it's it's all about doing the right thing. And so if, if we get somebody that's, that's not treating people right and they're getting bad reviews, and then that's an easy call for us. I understand that you're using internet leads to help you convert listing appointments. What's happening there? We are. So it's a really, really easy sell for us. There's a couple points that we make. There's a statistic out there by the National Association of Realtors that the average agent invests $200 a year online. So we, we make that statement, and then we follow up with the statistic that it's, what, 89 90% of today's home buyers are beginning their search online. So the average agent's investing $200 a year. Most of the buyers are online, so there's a disconnect there. And so then we show the graph of how much money we're investing per year online and showing the difference. And so that's, that's a huge it's a huge selling point to the, to the sellers. But the second thing that we can do is we can actually pull up our back-end system, physically show them the number of leads that we have, and our lead matching technology. So we can actually go in there and match up buyers. So if they were, well, one, if they were already listed, we can pull up everybody that has physically looked at their house on our website. So when they relist with us, we have a target list of home buyers for them. If they haven't listed, then you know obviously we can create that based on the parameters that they are going to be listing their home at. You've got this hundred closings in internet leads alone. I assume that the majority of these are buyers. Are they all buyers, or are some of them sellers? Yeah, that's that's really the challenge to, to, to preach to your team. Is yeah, they're all typically coming in as buyer leads but a lot of them have home sales as well. And so we're doing a really good job over the last few months converting those into listing appointments as well for our listing par- partners. And how did you do that? Did you change the script? Do you have, have them ask more directly if they have a home to sell? Yeah, that, that's all it is, is asking that extra question. Do you have a list of questions that your folks are supposed to ask when they get in these follow-up calls? We have a very detailed script manual that they can go off of. We don't require them to go ABC, but we have the scripts, you know, the LP mamas, and basically the structure of a call that you want to be following up with these leads with. Do you role play? Do you have practice role play on scripts with your team? Yeah, good question. I know a lot of teams have the mandatory role playing um, each week or you know, sometimes even daily. What we do is we actually, we have training available five days a week. So that's one of those classes. But we're always at that front end of the training session. I'm coming in and I'm typically doing like a, a recap and buyer's agreement role play. So there's certain certain scripts that I want them to know. So repetition is the mother of all learning. And I'm, I'm trying to incorporate those into some of the other training sessions versus just making it a, a role play every single day and burning them out that way. I'm going to start wrapping up internet leads. We've covered a lot of territory here today. If there was someone listening and they wanted to start up an internet lead program, what advice would you give them? So I would get started with one of the, the pay-per-click providers that has a really good back-end CRM system. So 
I would look at a, a commission zinc or a boomtown or a conversion, one of those type of sites. Uh, our preference is commission zinc. So that's that's one. Number two is is really probably the key, and it's getting your online reputation where it needs to be with reviews. Because the anomaly of, of some of these leads, they're Internet leads. You're going to talk to them, and they're going to be like, okay, who is it I talked to? Are they a real person? What's their credibility? And they're going to Google search you. And it's really, really important that when they go and research you that your reviews your past sales on Zillow and, and Google are where they need to be. And as they increase, you're going to start getting business just off of that alone. For example, uh, we have over 200 reviews on Zillow. We have the highest number of reviews of any agent or team in the state of Alabama. We're increasing our Google reviews right now, and we're gotten already a handful of Google leads this year off of people just Googling real estate and finding our reviews. And obviously, those are really high conversion leads. Those are just come list me leads. How did you do that? How did you get 200 reviews on Zillow? Did it just happen or did you make it happen? And if so, what'd you do? Combination of two things. One, we just made it happen. We have just a great set of past clients. And so the first thing I did is I sent out a mass email requesting that they send a, a Zillow review out or create a Zillow review for us. And overnight, we became one of the top reviewed agents, you know, in our area off of that. From there, it's just been consistent follow-up. So really, what I found is probably the key, number one, you know, provide a good job. And number two is offering them incentive. You know, everybody listens to WIFM, you know, what's in it for me? You know, a couple things, talking to them about paying for, and that's how they probably found us. But the second thing is offering a, like a $5 Starbucks gift card for filling it out. So offer that incentive. And then I've incentivized my closing team to, um, to follow up with our closings um, after the process as well, because they've done a great job and they've stayed in touch and, and made everything work out well for that buyer, that seller. And so and then in return, asking for that review and then promising that we'll send them a Starbucks card. And one thing that we've recently done, too, is a monthly drawing. We've gotten to the point where we're getting so many reviews each month, you know, 15 or so a month, that we can actually give you know, a $50 gift card away each month to someone that fills it out. On the past client end, you've asked them through email. You've also offered an incentive. If they do so, you'll give them a $5 gift card to Starbucks, and their name will end up in a drawing for a $50 gift card to somewhere. What about the incentive you said you give to your, your internal people? What kind of incentive are you giving to your team to ask for these reviews? So I have a, a licensed closing coordinator and an assistant for her. And at first, we were paying a flat bonus for every review that they collected. Now what we're doing is we're going to a quarterly basis where it's more like a contest. You get X number of reviews and you get Y. And so that's been a huge motivation for them to stay after you know these clients because clients get busy and they say they're they're going to send them out and they want to, but they're really that driving force of of getting the reviews. What kind of bonuses are you offering each quarter for how many reviews? And we budget about twenty five dollars per review. Okay, so it's a it's a cash amount rather than a 
a gift card or a trip or? Yes, it was cash. Now we're moving more towards a gift card. They've enjoyed that more and seeing more value in it. But, you know, whatever the number of views that we get, it equals, you know, about $25. Because that's, you know, I mentioned, you know, 30 of those sales were Zillow. A good percentage of those sales were actually review-based. So it's a really good return on investment for us. I noticed that you're doubling up on it, that you put those reviews on the front page of your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something new that we've experimenting with right now. Um, there's a, a third-party system that has a little widget that goes out and collects all of our reviews off of Zillow and Google and Facebook and, and rotates them through on that website. Have you ex- experimented with putting reviews on each page of your website, not just the front page? No, we have not yet. That's a, a good idea. Let's do this. Let's move into builders and the builder questions. You've started with builders. You built up uh, new home sales. It sounds like you've continued to work with new home construction. How many transactions and what percentage of your business came from builders last year? Yeah, great question. So we actually just took on our our builder client last year. Um, It was around mid-year. We had uh, 34 transactions, which was uh, 13.6% of our business. This year, we anticipate about 60 60 individual transactions and about 90 sides from that builder. Because we had one one neighborhood, we just launched a second, and then we've got a third that we'll be launching next year as well. So it sounds like you haven't been selling new homes for the entire 10 years. You did it in the beginning. You did it for maybe the first three and a half years. Did you just start up again with new construction or have you been off and on? Yeah, we just started back up. You know, first three and a half years was with a builder. And then the next six or so years, I was still selling new construction as a buyer's agent, but not representing builders. So the last six months, we've just gotten back into the saddle and and representing builders. Because really, we've just now gotten our business to the size and the systems and procedures in place to be able to support it. How did you make a connection with the builder? How did you establish that relationship? Well, this particular builder is a local builder. I've, I've known him for years since I was selling new construction. He actually used to be a developer that sold land to to the builder I was working for. So he he followed me throughout my career. We stayed friends, and we wanted to do business together for the last several years, and it actually just kind of came together as a perfect marriage where his business got to the size um, with his son coming back on board of where it needed to be. And then also our business getting to the size where it needed to be to really support him. So around mid year, he had, he was, had his own real estate company, had an agent on site, wasn't performing. They let them go and we renewed that conversation and, and got it worked out. What do you do for the builder? What are you doing for him? Are you helping him go and find the raw land? Are you helping him subdivide it? Are you helping him after he's already done that and they're into the break ground marketing phase? Where do you come in? Yeah, great question. So this builder is unique in that he's actually a developer as well. They're vertically integrated. They, they do both the development and the home building. He's developed a, a probably 40% of Madison 
So he, he understands the development side better than we do. So he covers all of that. We just handle the, the marketing and the sales side. So they do some of their own marketing, but we supplement that. And so where we come in is we hire new home agents, we train them, we manage them, and then also we provide two other, we, you know, we do that, plus we, we help with marketing. Obviously, our database is huge for them, and so we also provide some of those back-end systems to help support that. And then the big, the other third thing is just providing consultation as well. So they had a new neighborhood that they wanted to get started, and so I handled, you know, that entire launch process and tell, told them how to do it. You know, the as, you know, this guy's been developing and building for, for decades, and that's the most homes he's ever sold before he's actually, you know, put in streets and gutters. So that's really where we come in, consulting and, and hiring and, and uh, helping with the marketing. So you're working in the new home construction. You have to know that product pretty well. Do you hire on-site sales agents for the builder? We do, yes. So we have dedicated, what we call new home sales professionals, but on-site agents. How do you find those people? Are they different from the agents that you hire for for your team sales? Night and day. <laughs> it's a completely different agent. And it, it honestly, it took us, so we've been on with the builder for about six months. It took us about five and a half months to figure out how to hire a new home sales agent. And so, unfortunately, during that time, I have new home sales experience. I've got another one of my really key agents that has a lot of new home sales experience. And so, he ended up filling in for that one community, and I filled in for launching this other community. Fortunately, we we recently hired a rock star, and we, we feel like we've got that process down to repeat it and find other new home sales agents for their other communities. So what are you looking for for this dedicated on-site sales agent? So it's, it's different than an internet lead. You know, you're not looking for as much SC. You're looking for more high I. But you're also looking for somebody that has the discipline to, to stay there, you know, five days a week and follow the systems and the procedures when nobody's looking, you know, that's, you know, looking over the shoulder to make sure they're following up with it. For new home sales, we really like to find somebody that has a proven track record because with a, a builder that has one or two communities, you miss on one hire, then it, it really affects the business versus you know maybe a, a track builder that already has 10 different neighborhoods and that community is only 10% of his portfolio. So we're going after you know, top talent. When you say top talent, are you going after people who already have experience in new home sales? Yes. Okay. And how are you finding those people? Well, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, being, since we're already in the real estate business and working with builders and selling homes, we already know who's doing the most, most business. And so we're, we're leveraging those relationships that we already have. Does that mean that you are going out and scouting other new home builders and finding out who their best salespeople are and then offering them an opportunity to come to your site? Yes. Do you give them a signing bonus? What, what kind of incentive do you offer them to move over? You know, that's a good question. I, and so I had, I thought it was a brilliant idea of offering a signing bonus. But unfortunately, what we found was 
everybody that wanted to come to work for the signing bonus <laughs> and not necessarily <laughs> interested in selling new homes. And so that, you know, and that may work if we tried again. It, it didn't work for us. And so really it's just finding, it's just like anything in sales, finding what the hot button is. So if somebody's selling on one side of town, but they live on the side of town where our new neighborhood is, you know, it's, it's lifestyle or, you know, what does their commission plan look like over there versus what we have to offer? Can they make more money with us? You know, we're working with a local, highly respected builder versus, you know, a lot of production builders do a good job, but they may not have necessarily that same heart and soul that a, a local builder would have. And so if they're burnt out by the corporate process of working for, you know, the top 100 builder in the nation and they want to work with, you know, somebody that they can actually you know, pick up the phone and, and or meet with, you know, belly to belly each week, you know, that's, you know, that's what we have to offer. So we're just trying to figure out what their hot button is or what their pain point is. This builder, this, this guy's a builder, developer, been around a long time. Why does he need you? Why doesn't he develop his own sales team? Good question. Hopefully he's not listening to this call. No, <laughs> <laughs> no actually they had tried that. They had their own real estate company, and and their issue that they kept their hot button that they kept running into our pain point was sales agent quits or gets fired they're back into sales and so they kept going on a, a cyclical you know up and down up and down up and down and so we took that risk and that burden off of them so that they could focus on building a, a company because if you go back into field selling yeah, they're going to sell more homes than a typical agent's going to, but then everything else is going to go downhill. And so for them to build a long-term viable business, they felt like they needed to partner with, with someone like us. For anyone listening who would like to start working with new home builders, new construction sales, what advice do you have to them to, to get that ball rolling, to get going in that direction? I think it's a couple of things. I think one is, you know, getting that experience. So, you know, first, if that's really the route you want to go, you you might go work for a builder and, and, and find out the systems and the process. Secondly, you're going to want to network with, with the builders. You know, like you said, the challenge is a lot of them are going to have their own sales teams. And so it's really finding those right builders that are, you know, are going to need to partner with you versus doing it themselves. Matt, let's start talking now about your past clients and sphere of influence, repeat and referrals. What percentage of your business last year came from that source? Last year, it was just over 30%, 30.4%, 76 transactions. 76 closings. Wow, that's fantastic. And how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? So our total database is over 22,000, of which about 700 of those are past clients. Is the 700, are you also including your sphere of influence, or is that a secondary group? We're including the sphere of influence into that database as well. Um, realistically, our, our past client, our sphere of influence program has not been to the level that I want it to be going forward. But we're having a lot of success, even with the little bit of effort that we're doing, because of the reputation that we have in town and the service level that we've been able to provide. 
Yeah, that's not bad at all. You're getting about 11% of your list to either refer or repeat and more importantly, close the 76 out of 700. So something's going right. Let's talk more about that. How do you track your database? Are you keeping them in your Commissions Inc. database or do you have a separate database? Yeah, we've had different databases throughout the years. Currently, they are in that Commissions Inc. database. That just gives us more flexibility with mass emails or keeping up with our notes and doing some different things through the system. So Commissions Inc. is our, our main CRM. What is your current marketing plan to pass clients in sphere of influence? What did you do in the last year that resulted in those 76 closings? And if you could help us out with, say, an annual marketing plan, just kind of sketch out for us the, the big picture view, what you're doing, what the frequency is, et cetera. Yes. Yeah, so, so over the last 12 months or so, it, it's been really a simple plan. It's getting their their birthdays and obviously we know when their home anniversary is and so we'll we'll mail them out a card on their home anniversary and we've we had partnered with a local ice cream shop where we're sending them an ice cream gift card on them or their kids birthdays so those two things and we typically send out an annual letter as well with a a calendar so those are the, the kind of the three ingredients that have produced you know those those transactions for us how did you get the kids' birthdays? We asked. <laughs> <laughs> when do you ask? Do you ask at the closing? Do you ask during the process? When do you get gathering that information? Yeah, typically we're, we're asking at the closing table or if you know, the situation just, just wasn't right or we forgot, then we'll typically follow up with them after closing. What is the annual mail-out? Usually that's just kind of a summary of, you know, thanking them for a great year, providing a calendar, um, and then just, you know, giving some highlights of our year and, and thanking them for the referrals. So basically three pieces of mail. Yes. Mm-hmm. And is that it? Are you doing anything else? Are you making phone calls, doing stop-bys? And that's pretty much been it. In the early days when it was just me, I was delivering baked goods that my wife would make going door to door, especially as you know, I was working for a builder and a lot of those homes were all within the neighborhood. So that's what we used to do. Unfortunately, there's just not the bandwidth to do that anymore. Kind of going forward, you know, our plan is we, we did do a movie day last year. So that was the first time that we had done that. We're going to continue that. We are going to have a, a big client party this year. And we're going to do more monthly emails uh, where we're providing some value adds, some giveaways for, say, Valentine's Day or Fourth of July and, and some of those other holidays. Do you have a certain subgroup of those folks that are, are your best referrers and you're doing anything unique with them, like taking them to lunch or, or making a personal call to them? You know, that that's a great question, and that's really something that – that we should be doing, um, that we're not, but we will be in the near future. So that's something that's on our agenda as well. A lot of those, some of those people I'm already doing life together where we may be neighbors or friends and hanging out and seeing them other ways. But for the other ones, we, we definitely have to be more intentional about that in the coming years. 
that's pretty spectacular to me that you have such a great repeat and referral percentage, uh, 11% of your list. And you're doing what most would consider kind of the minimums. You're you're mailing out the home anniversary card, the ice cream card, the annual mail out, and you also had a movie day. So that's fantastic. That's that's pretty good. It's going to be interesting to see if the percentage goes up or stays the same or even goes down as you add other items. Maybe you have the perfect mix. Yeah, well, the next call that we make when we're doing 500 <laughs> transactions, we'll tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. So we're going we're gonna to leave this area. Is there anything that uh, you would like to add about past clients and sphere of influence that we haven't talked about? No, that's it. Well, Matt, you've, you've mentioned your team a couple times. You've got a bunch of people running around. Could you give us a big overview of who's on your team? Sure. So we, we have a system, and, and so it, basically I'll, I'll explain every I'll explain the roles and I'll explain the, the number of, of people in each role. But you know basically the first function is generating the leads, and so that's that's my job is to generate the leads for the team. Once we have the leads, then you know buyer or listing agent will take that over, you know, help them find the right house or help them sell their home. From there, it gets turned over to our closing team. We have a full-time licensed closing coordinator, and we have a, a assistant as well. That assistant helps with the closing coordinator, and she also helps uh, the listing partners with listing entry. And during that process, we have a runner as well that, that helps put out signs, open house signs, and you know anything else that needs to be done. So currently, we have a team of 15 team members that's not how many we had in 2015. We've recently hired several new agents. And so currently to ramp up to the 350 sell mark for this year, we have 15. One of those is a listing partner. We have seven buyer's agents. We have what we, a new, new position with us, which is called a college grad buyer's agent. So where we take somebody directly out of college, we mentor them, we shadow them, we help them that first year out as a buyer's agent, provide a lot of training for them, and then kind of turn them, turn them loose after that, that, that year to become their own buyer's agent on our team. We have a, a marketing manager slash recruiter slash listing manager. We have a, a part-time runner, closing manager, assistant closing manager slash list, listing manager, and then we have that one new home sales agent. And then finally, you have me, which is the team leader. You mentioned you had fewer people last year. How many people did you have on your team last year when you closed the 218 homes? On average, we had about 10. And then you said you're gearing up now. You're bringing in some more people and your goal is to close what this year? 350. 350 homes. Wow. That is, uh, that's a pretty big jump. That's an ambitious uh, ad you're looking to add. What is that? That's over half. What about sixty percent? Well, we're at two fifty, and so that'd be about forty percent. Okay, because you had two hundred and fifty contracts, but only the two hundred and eighteen closings. Is that what you mean? Right. So yeah, we're looking at three hundred and fifty contracts, and so you know, obviously we may close three twenty next year because we'll have some more pending into the next year. So now you're ramping up with the number of people you have. What else are you doing to ramp up to this bigger goal? Are you increasing your marketing on the uh, internet? You, you mentioned you're adding radio. What else are you doing? Yeah, it's, it's almost felt like I've built an entire new business over the last six months. 
And so we, we've redone it. We've revamped everything. What we found was all of our systems and procedures and everything worked great for the size that we're at, but they weren't something that we could duplicate as we added new offices and added, expanded with new people. So it's been... You know, centralizing everything into one database, you know, something as simple as that with Commissions Inc., adding new accounting software, new phone software, spent a lot of time developing a very extensive policies and procedures manual for new agents as they came on board where, you know, I literally had, you know, over a hundred training documents for them on how do I do this? How do I create this search and make this call in the database? Or how do I do this? So really just creating the right systems and procedures. We implemented the, the new tracking system with, you know, to be able to track all of our agents' calls with the Telepro system. And then simplifying some of our back-end reporting so that I could have all the numbers that I needed you know, at my fingertips versus having to kind of create some of those reports. So really just kind of streamlining our process so that we only had to plug in new team members. Part of that too was, you know, hired this marketing manager slash recruiter. So we finally have the person in place that can train the new agents. So really just kind of putting all those pieces in place. We already had the leads. It was just putting the systems in place to, to be able to, to incrementally grow. That's a really interesting statement there at the end. So you're leading with leads. If you can generate enough leads, you feel that you can bring in the people to handle those leads. So for instance, if your leads have been dropping off over the last year and you were only able to generate 50 leads a month, you wouldn't be in grow phase because you're able to generate excess leads. You feel that you can ramp up your team to, to meet that and service those people. Sure. Yeah, I had a a meeting with some of my agents today. We're talking about recruiting, and you know the the common question you get is how many agents are you going to hire? Are we going to have enough leads? And if they they're not saying it, they're thinking it. And so the the thing that I reiterated to them was, I'm literally stepping on the the I'm putting on the brakes on leads. I can I can ramp up on leads anytime. That's the easy part for me. So it's just you know finding the right people, and as we do, leads are not an issue. You also mentioned that you spent a lot of time putting together uh, 100 training documents. I assume those are, are simple checklists to, to do one particular item or task. You've broken it down to the nitty-gritty, and you've looked at one simple task, and you've broken down exactly what has to happen in that task so that you could train somebody. Say say one of your key people leaves, your closing manager, you could bring a new one in and have them up and running much quicker. I assume that's why you did that. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So if, if anybody wanted to leave or we continue to grow and we need someone else, that way that team member training them is not completely down as they retrain the new team member. They can train them and also point them in the right direction with the, the procedures. And so this document... Basically, it's just a Google document where I've got it broken down for admin and closing team and buyer's agents and listing partners and all of our training documents, and it's just links. You know, here's how you do X. Here's how you do Y. Did you go out and purchase the 100 training documents, or did you create each of them yourself? Unfortunately, there weren't there weren't the procedures and the documents out there for me to purchase, and so... Fortunately, on the listing and closing side, I have such a great closing team that 
they already had a majority of the documents already created for their own purpose. We just had it to compile those and refine them. On the agent side, that's where I would go out and I, I, I created most of those myself. You've got these buyer agents. You've got seven buyer agents. You now have a listing partner. A lot of people, when they're bringing in these type of team members, their their question always pops up: compensation. How are you compensating your buyer agent and listing partner? On the buyer's agent side, they make based depending on the volume of their transactions, they make between forty to fifty percent. And then on the listing side, they make between 35 to 40. What is the variance? How does that go up? Is it just the unit volume, the sales volume? How do they go from 40 to 50 or 35 to 45? It's sales volume. It's all about volume. Are you profitable? Our profit margins are right at 35%. We make a a healthy profit. I'm not involved on a day-to-day basis working with sellers or buyers at that percentage. And we're also able to give back. We, um, you know, for every hundred homes that we sell, we build a home for a family in Nicaragua. So we're able to do that as well, which, which is uh, definitely gratifying. Matt, what drives you? So, yes, I guess a lot of different things. I went into sales because I like to earn what I'm worth versus just having a set salary. I like to be able to drive my own income. Uh, I like to be able to grow as a person and grow a business with that feeling of accomplishment. Uh, I love to compete. I hate to lose. So I, I like that side of the business. But really probably the main driver of building a team versus still doing it myself was uh, my lifestyle. You know, I have three kids under the age of 11 and wanted to be involved with them and wanted to be able to have nights and weekends off. I, I'm very involved with my son. I coach a lot of basketball. So I'm very, very involved coaching basketball throughout the year. You know, I like to go on nice trips with my family. You know, Nicaragua is a huge thing on our heart where we go and build and, and we give. So, you know, really the lifestyle for my family, but at the end of the day, I like to be able to not have to worry about money and to really be able to to give and make an impact on our community locally and, and internationally. Matt, why have you been so successful? Well, the, the, the secret formula that I learned early on getting into real estate, uh, there was actually a study out of one of the universities in California, but it was reading an hour a day and your chosen profession will double your income every two years. And I did that religiously. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, I was reading an hour a day, every day. And you don't see a big difference the first couple of weeks, the first month, first couple of months, but the momentum starts to build. And every time that I've stopped reading, my income has flattened out. And every time I've started back, then it started doubling again. And every every time that I've done that, my business has doubled or my income has doubled every two years. What kind of items are you reading? Give us some examples of items that you would read about your profession. Well, when it was when I was in new home sales, there was a lot of new home sales books. It was uh, the John Palumbo's and the Myers Barnes and the general psychology, the Zig Ziglar type stuff. As I've progressed in my career, I'm not 
everybody's always in sales and you're always selling, but I, I've already kind of reached a certain stage where of competency that I'm good there. But really, my focus now is how do I build a good culture for my business? How do I build a, a company that lasts? You know, the Jim Collins types type books, um, and so you know, sales. So really, my first focus was sales and motivation, and then it became marketing. I learned how to market and create a ton of leads, and now it's really, okay, I got the leads. We would be at such higher place if we could continue to develop this awesome culture where you know, we continue to retain agents and track the best agents. How do we figure that piece of the pie out? So that's, that's the focus that I have right now. Well, Matt, you mentioned that in the very beginning, the reason you got your license was so that you could invest in real estate. Have you continued to do that? I do. I've sold some properties. I currently have uh, three properties that that I own that are fairly large properties, a couple that are four-bedroom condos that I rent out to students, and I've got uh, a, what it's called a, like a water park condo, like an investment uh, vacation type home that serves two purposes: uh, earn income off of, and I also can take my all my kids on one-on-one trips each year, so I can take them down there and have a good time for a few days. So all three of those are completely paid off. How did you get them paid off? Did you accelerate the payments? How did you pull that off? One step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's, it's kind of the Dave Ramsey method of a snowballing. Yeah, I, I, I borrowed money at the time to 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 obtain the properties, but then all of my excess profits from the business and and also from these other condos, I would invest into a single unit to get it paid off, and I move on to the next one and to the third one. And now they're all paid off. Matt, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I would advise them to do one of two things. It's really, it's all about the leads and it it takes a lot of time to build up and ramp up your leads. And so I would do one of two things. I'd go and work for a builder or I would go and work for a real estate team that has leads. Matt, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Uh, without a doubt. I mean, give you an idea. I was at my morning run this morning. I was listening to one of your interview calls uh, yesterday. I was listening to one of those interview calls. Truly, the programs like you put together and the ones before you and the books and the CDs and stuff that's out there has has made my business where it is. And so, you know, the reason I'm doing this is because so many people have invested their time into me that they don't even know about. It's, it's my way to give back and to say thank you for, for people like yourself that's doing this great service to our industry. Well, Matt, I've gotten to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, I've, I've got two. First, I'm going to throw a little nugget out there of, of something that we're doing that may be helpful for some agents that are trying to recruit. Recently, we, we had a recruiting challenge, and so we put together a mass email to our entire board. We loaded those emails into MailChimp, sent it out. From there, we could view everybody that opened uh, that email. And then from there, we took everyone that opened the email and did some retargeting of Facebook ads 
um, with a, a target message that we're looking that we were trying to send to those agents, and it appears to be working. Um, that combination, uh, we we set up seven appointments in one hour yesterday off of that list for interviews. Wow. So that's that's a little nugget out there for for people that need to recruit. Number two is you can achieve something that you don't have written down. You know, so for us, it's about writing down your goals. You know, what gets measured gets done. Well, Matt, your advice is paying off. You and your team are growing and helping more and more families. You started with a new home builder to put yourself in front of leads right away. Now you're providing your team members that same opportunity by generating internet leads and teaching your agents how to convert them into clients. You've built the foundation for your production to go up another 40% this year with your systems, checklists, tracking, and coaching. I can't wait to hear how big you take this. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who went from 52 to 516 homes sold in five years. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.